Now, tonight, we're returning to our study in the book of Romans. So if you would, turn there with me to Romans chapter 13. And uh, we're starting in this chapter this evening. And so if you would, just turn to Romans chapter 13. And Lord willing, Lord enabling, we'll be looking at verse 1 down through to verse 5. Now, as we saw last week in chapter 12, the Apostle sets forth what our attitude and our responsibilities are to other believers and indeed toward all men in general. For review, look there with me in chapter 12, beginning in verse 18. The Apostle writes there, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And indeed, our Lord teaches us Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, in chapter 13, Paul gives us further instruction by God the Holy Spirit with respect to what our attitude, conduct, and responsibilities are to those who hold an office of authority in our land, indeed, in our country. And that speaks to those in authority in our local schools, in our local government, Indeed, all those who hold an office of authority, designated of God, implementing the rule of law in our society. I mean, what would it be like, just think of it, beloved, as depraved as we are, if we had no laws, if we had no policemen to enforce those laws? I mean, it's as bad enough as it is. And so we have those in authority, like policemen and judges, to enforce the laws we have. Even so, there are still those who choose not to follow the law. We call those people lawbreakers. So why does the apostle instruct us to be in submission, to be in subjection and not resist God's authority? Well, we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so God is instructing us through the apostle's pen in all those things that we need to hear and need to learn. Remember what he wrote to young Timothy? All scripture is by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Perhaps Paul writes upon the occasion that perhaps some believers in Rome had the idea that because being citizens of a spiritual kingdom, They didn't need to be subject to those who ruled in Rome, in an earthly kingdom, with earthly authority. Perhaps they thought, well, since we belong to a higher kingdom, indeed a spiritual kingdom, we can just go ahead and disregard Roman law. Well, we know that's not the will of the Lord. As we read there last week in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be that be are ordained of God. Now that word ordained can be rendered as the marginal reference has it, ordered. That is, these powers, these authorities over us are determined of God. And so let every one of us, and especially so believers, let every one of us, beloved, be in subjection to those government and civil authorities 
and powers who rule over us. Now we know this, beloved, there is no power independent of God. As it says there, there is no power but of God. For you see, he has all power in heaven and in earth. Remember, Pilate said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Don't you know that I have power over you to crucify you or to let you go? What did our Lord say to him? He corrected him, did he not? He said, You don't have any power over me but that which is given to you of God. You see, the ruling power that Pilate had as Roman governor was ordained, ordered, indeed determined of God. My friend, the Lord God Almighty has all power in heaven and in earth, and he does and he does his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of this earth, and so none can stay God's hand or, or say to him, What doest thou? You see, the Lord has all power in heaven and in earth, and so consequently, no man rules anywhere without God's having determined that beforehand. I mean, I don't care who's in power, no matter if he's an evil man or if he's a so-called good man. No one rules without that authority being ordained of God. Indeed, no man rules anywhere without God's decree. We read in Scripture how he puts down rulers and he raises them up as it pleases him. And we know from God's word, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. And so whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and the seas and all the deep places. And that gives us comfort, beloved, knowing how that our God reigneth. Now the ruler in some foreign country, he may be a cruel, uh, terrible dictator, but he's there only by the decree of God. And when it pleases God, he raises them up. And when it pleases him, he puts them down according to his sovereign purpose. And so we see here, principally, the apostle teaching us to be in subjection to those who rule over us. Now, if you'll take your Bible with me and find 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Beloved, we're told to pray for our leaders, for our president, our government, our, 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 and our governor, and so on. Now, you may not like our president or our governor, but remember they are only there by the will of God. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes to young Timothy, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now here's another portion of scripture on that. If you just turn a few pages to the right to the book of Titus chapter 3, and look there in verse 1. Titus 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, 
to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. So then, we are to be in subjection under those who have the authority over us. Now, is there an exception to this? Is there an exception to this? Well, yes, there is. And it's this one exception. As long as they rule according to the word of the Lord. But when they rule outside the word of the Lord and demand that people do things contrary to the word of the Lord, we are to resist that, beloved. For example, if a law was decreed in this country whereby they told all gospel preachers to cease their ministry and disband, well, beloved, I, for one, am going to resist that. And why is that? Well, because that's contrary to the word of the Lord. But rulers, when they rule according to the word of the Lord, we are to be in subjection unto them. It doesn't matter what their politics are, whether they're liberal or conservative, whether it's left-wing or right-wing, it doesn't matter. All right, verse 2. Romans 13, verse 2. The apostle writes there, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Now, get a hold of this. Who is the power? All power is given of God. And so to resist that local power is to resist the ordinance of God. And so if you're in rebellion against your local government, you're in rebellion against God. You see, this is what the apostle is saying. And they that resist shall have shall receive to themselves damnation. They shall receive judgment. And so, my friend, no good is going to come of it. You see, we're to be in subjection to those who rule with civil law, which is always the right thing to do. And so rebellion and resistance against that is rebellion against God. And they that resist the will of God, the ordinance of God, shall be in trouble. Now, we see this all the time in the news, do we not? And especially with everybody having their own personal camera with them on their phone. I mean, almost everybody's got one. And so we see this on the evening news all the time. We see people being arrested by the police officer. And instead of being in subjection to them, they disobey the authority of God. And when that happens, well, what happens? Well, we see them fighting and resisting and not submitting to the authority. Now, if they would just submit, none of that commotion would happen. If they would just submit, they could sort it all out in the courts and get a lawyer. My friend, just submit. Don't fight. Don't rebel. And truly, their rebellion is not against that cop or this cop. No, no. Rather, their rebellion against, is against Almighty God. And so you see, this is what the apostle is getting at here. And so when you rebel against those who are in authority, and okay, maybe the officer is making an un unlawful arrest, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, but leave that to be sorted out in the courts. You see, we have provisions for unlawful arrests, so just leave it to be sorted out in the, in the courts. And so, young man, young lady, you ought to be in subjection to the authority the authority in your homes, the authority in your schools, and that's to be in subjection to the authority of your parents, to be in subject, subjection to the authority of your teachers, 
For you see, that authority is ordained by God himself. It is God's authority. And so when you're pulled over by a police officer and he says, get out of, the, get out of that car, put your hands on your head and spread them, you better do what he says. Now, let's say I, I'm not going to do that. Well, if I don't, if you don't, you're going to suffer the consequences. They're going to beat you up and throw you to the ground, and then they're going to arrest you. Anyway, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if you would just submit? And so that's what the apostle is speaking about here. We read in the book of Proverbs, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, of course, that has practical application. You know, when the authority speaks to you, whether it be your mom or dad or a police officer, you say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I get the practical application. Well, the best example of that soft answer in a spiritual application, speaking of the gospel, that I can think of is found in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. And it's a remarkable account of how the Prince of Preachers preaches the Gospel message. And the bad news is this. First of all, we're dogs and we need a Savior. And she hears it. Beginning in verse 21, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of, of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and, being, and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And our sister in Christ could rejoice with us this evening, and even even now. <laughs> By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We see here not uh, a grievous word spoken to our Lord, but a soft answer. Truth, Lord, it is true. I am a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. The Lord granted that I speak with someone just the other day about that portion. She, she said that she gave her heart to the Lord. And I said to her, perhaps you belong to the Lord. But if you do, you won't continue to say such things that dishonor the Lord. And I said, if you and I find ourselves in heaven one day, we won't be talking about how we opened our hearts. No, no. Rather, we'll be talking about how he opened ours. Indeed, no one will glory in heaven. All glory will be to the one who opened our hearts and saved us to the uttermost. 
And after some time, and I, I, I had some liberty to speak to her about the gospel of our Lord's blood, the gospel of our Lord's person, of his redemption, of his righteousness, and spoke to her how it is that he is the one who gives us faith. And the object of our faith isn't that we did this or we did that. The object of our faith isn't even our own faith, but the object of our faith is the faith of Christ, that he lived out that life for us that we couldn't live. And after listening to me for a while, she said, I get it. <laughs> now, I don't know what she got. I, I pray the Lord did something for her. I pray the Lord indeed taught her the gospel. I pray the Lord revealed himself to her. Sadly, where she's attending seemingly doesn't preach the gospel of God's grace, the gospel of our sovereign Lord. All right, back to our text. Um, and so the apostle is setting forth here how we're to be subject unto the higher powers in keeping with the word of the Lord. And again, the only exception to that is, for example, if the authority in the home, if the parents in the home were to tell the child to do that which is contrary to the Lord. God's word declares, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And again, God's word declares, Children, obey your parents in, the, in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So, for example, if a parent or if, 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 if a mom or dad told a child to go down to the store to steal a loaf of bread, that child is to resist. And why is that? Well, because that's not obeying your parents in the Lord. You see what Paul's talking about? This is what he's setting forth in this chapter. Now, throughout the Word of God, we have many examples of those who rightly resisted authority. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were there in Babylon, and they were told to worship the idol, and they refused, being those who believed God. They refused that order, and they said, we're going to worship God. We're not going to worship an idol. Remember the consequences? They did resist, and they were cast into the fiery furnace. But we know the rest of that story. The Lord delivered them. And then, remember Daniel? They told Daniel that he could not pray at a certain time of the day. Well, Daniel opened his windows and prayed anyway. Remember what happened to him? He ended up in the lion's den. And so there are exceptions to submitting to authority. And though he ended up in the lion's den, God delivered Daniel. Now, here's another example in the book of Acts. If you would turn there with me. Acts chapter 14. The apostles were beaten and commanded not to preach the gospel anymore. And there in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, we read Luke recording how these authorities objected to the preaching of the gospel. Verse 17, But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Now remember, these are the civil authorities and religious ecclesiastical authorities. 
verse 18, they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's contrary to the word of the Lord, is it not? That's to be resisted. Verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto your unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now here's another example. In Acts chapter 5, we read there in the latter part of verse 40, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So what are they going to do? Verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to preach and teach. They ceased not to teach and preach the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are exceptions to being subject unto the higher powers. Ever notice how that as we look at the laws of society, the laws of the state of Texas, or even federal law, most of them, if not all of them, are based on what we call the moral law of God. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, and so on. You see, God has put these laws in force to keep some kind of order among society. All right, look at verse 3, Romans chapter 13, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works. No one's opposed to law-abiding citizens, are they? I mean, if the officer pulls you over and you've done nothing wrong, you know, you've got your license, your registration, and proof of insurance, and you go, here you go, officer. We're saying by that, officer, I'm in your hands. You see, beloved, the powers that be are ordained of God. And so the officer does with me with what he wants to. But remember, beloved, rulers are not a terror to good works. And so my upright friend, if you have, you have nothing to fear, and so respect the police officer and answer, yes, sir, or no, ma'am. You see, the rulers ought not to be a terror to you if you're not doing anything wrong. But to the evil the Apostle speaks of here, those who are suspicious characters, well, the law enforcer, he's going to do his job, and he's going to inquire, what's going on? Who are you? Where are you from? Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Well, yes, if you're breaking the law and you get caught. And then the Apostle writes, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Do that which is good, and the police officer will say, Be on your way and have a nice day. But if you violate the speed limit, he'll probably write you a ticket and tell you to see him down at the courthouse and pay the speeding fine. And I've had to do that a few times. The last ticket I got was in Mexico. My pastor remarked to me one time that if a society is taught that God can be bought off like they do in Roman Catholicism. You know, if you're in purgatory, 
that money-making fable made up by the enemies of the cross. Well, they say, if you pay the authority, you can buy your way out of justice. Well, I was so happy. This officer didn't want a bribe. <laughs> he just gave me a ticket. Uh, a rarity in Mexico, to be sure. Perhaps he was a Christian. I don't know. Romans 13, verse 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. Beloved, obey the law. Be a law-abiding citizen. Now, not to be saved, beloved, but because you already are. You see, God's people want to do what's right. We want to do what's proper, that we might adorn the doctrine of our Lord. And what does Paul write there to Titus? Beloved, show all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Romans 13, again, verse 4. If thou do that which is evil, if you do that which is evil, if you do that which is wrong, be afraid. Because, my friend, sooner or later, somebody's going to be knocking at your door. I mean, if you do that which is evil... Sooner or later, they're going to come after you with a warrant for your arrest. For he beareth not the sword, and this is in reference to the sword of God. He bears not the sword of God in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. That's pretty clear language, is it not? My friend, there's no gray area in God's word. Those who rule in authority, whether in the home the school, the state or local government, or in the church. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Wives are to be in submission to their husbands as in the Lord. And those who rule in authority, the minister of God, the pastor of the church, and we heard that portion read to us from Hebrews chapter 13, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, beloved, the authorities that be, whether it be in the home or in the church or the local courthouse or the state house, these things are ordained of God. And so those who rule in authority are ministers of God. And so those who obey civil law, well, they're protected by the ministers of God. Indeed, they are to be protected by the ministers of God. I'm, gl I'm glad the policeman has a gun by his side and a shotgun in the trunk, aren't you? I'm glad they're there to protect us against those who would do us harm. But those who dis disobey civil law are to be punished. You see, these men and women are ministers of God, used of God as instruments of proper judicial punishment. As we read last week there in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So you see, these ministers of God, whether it be a judge in the courtroom or a police officer, they are all instruments of God who administer proper judicial punishment. You see, beloved, we're not to take the law into our own hands. We're not to form what was once common in Texas and the West, those vigilante and vigilance committees. 
Now, perhaps there were necessary for a time when there was no law enforcement around, but we're not to take the law into our own hands, but rather we're to give place to wrath and let those who are designated, ordained, and determined by God who operate with his authority to decide what proper punishment should be rendered. You know, it's a fearful thing to be in a courtroom. I don't know how many of you have been in a courtroom before. When I was a young man, just a teenager, I had been in a traffic accident with my then-girlfriend, driving where and when I shouldn't have been. Well, anyway, my dad hired a lawyer to have me plead to the lesser charge of following too close behind. And I guess you'd want the same if your boy was charged with uh, a higher crime. Basically, what it meant was more expensive car insurance. And so if you were paying my, your son or daughter's car insurance, you'd want them to admit guilt to the lesser crime, I suppose. Well, being in the court just about scared me to death. I mean, I didn't know what was going on. And you see that judge up there on the bench in his black robe. And as my lawyer spoke to the judge during the whole proceeding, I could hear and feel the great respect due and given to that judge sitting there as the minister of God. And so what we do without, what would we do without those authorities ordained of God? I mean, what chaos, what anarchy, what lawlessness would be in our society if we had no rule of law? I mean, if we had no one to enforce the law, and it's bad enough as it is, you know, crime is everywhere, but thank God we have some authority that's ministered of God and given of God. And so, beloved, we're to be in subjection to that authority. Now turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, not only Paul says this, but the Apostle Peter as well. And we should expect that, since both of them were moved at the same author, God the Holy Spirit. And so Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, there in verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Lawbreakers are to be punished for the praise of them that do well. Verse 15, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may be, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of malicious, maliciousness, but as servants of God. So the whole lesson the apostle uh, is setting forth, indeed the lesson that God's word is setting forth here, is this, subjection. And beloved, being in subjection to these authorities, we show our submission unto the Lord. And so when we reverence authority, we're actually reverencing God. For you see, they are ministers of God sent to thee for your good. Verse 5. Romans 13, verse 5. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, for the judgment that would come to you, but also for conscience sake, for a clear conscience. Beloved, we should be in subjection under the Lord because we know all authority is of God 
because of the judgment of God for disobedience, when the righteous wrath of God would come upon those who break the law. But then Paul also says, for conscience sake, to keep a clear conscience, void of disobedience unto God. Now, I know the scriptures talk about some who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. I mean, they just don't care about any authority anywhere. Rather, they're just rebels through and through. And for the most part, they seem to be just out-and-out reprobates. But, of course, only God can say. And so the only thing that a civil society can do is those who are what they call repeat offenders, you know, those who find themselves breaking the law again and again, they bring the lawbreakers before the judge, they pass sentence, and they either go to jail for a little while, or they get out on parole or probation, and then they get right back in the same sort of business that got them into trouble in the first place. And so again, they go before the judge, and then the judge puts them in jail again and again, just repeating the same old cycle. And then eventually the judge says, you're going to stay there this time. And that's the only recourse we have. I mean, what can we do but just lock them up, as they say, and throw away the key? Now, I know we're all for what they call rehabilitation and helping people. I mean, we don't want to be mean or cruel. We want to be compassionate and long-suffering, do we not? But yet, society has these rules, and the Apostle here is setting forth this portion for our instruction. And so, beloved, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. But if thou do that which is evil, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Amen. <laughs> 